Today I wanted to start off by talking about the Cisco OSI model or uh, a range of layers of effect essentially that determine something going from point A to point B over a network. Um, if you're not familiar with the OSI model there's seven layers starting at the bottom layer which is the physical connection physical medium that something like data travels across um, it goes up and up and defines the different um, protocols and thinking methodology behind each step of it kind of thing all the way up to layer 7 which is um, essentially your applications and it dictates like the highest level of transferring data over a network now there's a bit of a I guess in joke or running joke in uh, help desks and IT around a layer 8 or above issue which is essentially a, a human problem or a user error or someone's not doing something correctly or doing something completely weird and getting some bizarre outcome. So specifically for the Cisco OSI model you essentially need layer 1 to be able to do anything with layer 2 and then you need layer 2 to be able to do anything with layer 3 uh, so they're all dependent on the the layers below them kind of thing um, and eventually they build themselves up in essentially like a pyramid or a hierarchy and then you get your your pretty application or whatever you're actually using on the top that you interact with and then it just happens to use all the the stuff lower down um, to do its thing. So as the example of this, um, the app that you're using to play this podcast would be at the highest level, layer 7, and it would rely on layers 6 through 1 to deliver this to you, essentially. So on the bottom layer we have physical layer 1, which is the, the physical medium, right, like your cabling, like fiber, like copper, uh, it's, it's a physical medium and it's just like electricity or some form of, or light or whatever you're using to transport bits across that, like a 1 or a 0, an off or an on. And then we have the next level up from that layer 2, which is... Uh, kind of starting to organize the way that that data is passed through that medium so we, we instead of talking in bits which is just a it's either an on or an off we've moved into a frame which is a a collection of or an organization of those bits essentially um, on the data link layer there um, and that that talks about like mac addresses and stuff like that so it starts to basically define the physical media below it and then after that we have layer 3 packets on the network layer so that's like organizing those frames into chunks of data which can actually be consumed so you have these layers that build up one upon the next um, and the idea is that you flesh it out and then you have like a full stack of networking stuff that all works with each other and then gets consumed by the next layer up to do something else or be responsible for something else in the net. 
Now, I know what you're saying, either, hey, I already know about OSI model, or what the fuck, I'm not a network person, or I have no idea what this means. Um, I just wanted to give an overview because we'll be touching on that sort of interaction, that sort of design in our next step here. The video game StarCraft was released in the late 90s uh, from Blizzard, and it is a real-time strategy you mine stuff to build units to attack your enemies to dominate the map to kill more enemies and to overall win the game now there's multiple things you need to be aware of or doing while you play this game so as a beginner you are basically taken through the the fundamentals which is in your base you have little scout things that do some form of economic task for you they either mine a particular resource or collect barrels of stuff from another thing they either mine minerals or collect vespine gas basically um, a lot of those same basic units can also build stuff or uh, depending on your race they're used basically for those primary economic uh, resources. Now as a beginner level player it's very easy to basically set and forget um, those particular units um, and just have them doing one thing for the entirety of the game kind of thing and then you go oh I need to build this so you select one and get them to, to build it and then you put them back on the mineral line to, to mine you more minerals um, and most of the time for beginners that's that's pretty fine. Now while this is happening and those units are doing their own thing pretty much autonomously if you're a beginner um, and you're not worrying about it, you will be busy building stuff and creating units and scouting the map and looking at your opponent and trying to find out what they're doing with their units and trying to play a game of rock, paper, scissors to beat their strategy. Now, as a beginner, um, if you're not particularly experienced with the game, you will spend a lot of time trying to look at stuff and evaluate stuff pretty much consciously. Um, you need to spend time thinking and making decisions, um, and all of that factors into your reaction time and your ability to attend to various events on the map. Now, with the OSI model, as we strive for the top of the pyramid, as we try to get to that fully working solution, we can also bring that into StarCraft. So for StarCraft in particular, they talk about two different things. One is micro, which is the ability to manage individual units while you're doing large-scale battles, and macro, which is the idea of uh, managing your resources and keeping up your resource growth to meet your consumption um, to keep building units and stuff like that while you're doing these encounters on the map so there's micro and macro now the best players obviously keep both of these at very high levels which means while uh, you are playing against them or while they are doing their thing not only will they be flicking their their camera on the battle and moving units in and out of range so that the units that you're using to kill them aren't focusing one unit down they want to maximize their uh, their damage output 
per unit which essentially means that they juggle units in and out of battle so that they can stay alive longer so that they can deal more damage um, which means that they will probably outlast you or at least be a lot more efficient with their units and then there's the macro side of it which is um, as we talked about earlier keeping those scout worker unit things occupied um, at where they're most efficient or what you need um, there's multiple types of resources that you need to gather so the idea is to have them collecting optimally for what you need and also using them to build optimally where you need things built to make sure that you have the right buildings that you need for the the rock to smash the scissors that the opponent has already built because they have committed to building those units so it's essentially um, updating the game state in a rock paper scissors um, so that you always have the upper hand and you're also making these um, small managementy decisions like the micro and the macro to make sure that you're making the most out of all your resources keeping all your units most alive as they can be um, and just getting as much of an advantage of your opponent as possible um, the other small thing about macro is it's also focusing on build queues and uh, just optimization of resources in uh, like building scenarios so if you had two of the same building instead of queuing up two units to come from one you would split it between the two so that you would have the unit or both units available for you at the same amount of time rather than queuing them up in one so it would finish one and then produce start producing the next one so you wouldn't have both units you just have one and then another unit queued up so if we take this at face value with Mr. Beginner, who has only played maybe 10 or 20 games of StarCraft in his life, if we compare him and how he views and makes plays and makes assessments in his mind, he will do so with a lot less information and a lot less uh, consciousness, awareness and attention to the game as a more seasoned veteran. Um, a more seasoned veteran will flick several camera positions to see how their economy is doing how their uh, battle is doing and how their units are doing in that battle um, and essentially focus on all three and stagger them in and out now obviously during a large-scale battle um, you're probably going to want to be more focused on that than you are um, your kind of background scene as your your workers and how they're working um, but it's it's something that while you diminish your attention to you still keep an eye on it because it will be important in the next encounter the same could also be said for the uh, civilization game series civs um, in a lot of the games there is a central focus around managing workers to either collect resources or build something for you in a very similar fashion um, the only difference being that civilization is a turn-based game and starcraft is a real-time strategy so um, the workers in civs have basically one turn to do something and then they produce an outcome or part of an outcome in starcraft they're constantly doing something they're constantly contributing to something 
um, so you don't necessarily lose or gain any advantage in the same way, but you still gain the economic outcome advantage, so you're playing a slightly different game, but similar sort of thinking behind it. So how does this compare to the Cisco OSI model? So as with the Cisco OSI model, we have our base foundation, which is made up of the fundamental building blocks of like the first step. If I was to compare this to StarCraft, I would say that this is just the ability to run the game. So the next step up from that would probably be a basic understanding of the fundamentals of the game. So that's how to build stuff, how to, like what a unit does, how a unit can kill stuff. And then up from that would be using those units and actually planning an army and you know killing your opponent maybe getting a victory or two against like an ai or someone who wasn't very experienced at the game for instance now as with the osi model as we get further up the models that we use get more complex and build on the ones below them so micro and macro which are supposedly equally important in starcraft would likely be on the same rung. So um, for the sake of this exercise, let's say the next level is layer three, uh, micro, and then layer four, macro. So basically we have these, these layers that you need the one before it to progress onto the next, and you're, you're building up this essentially skill set or this um, accomplishment or ability to succeed more in the game and after layer three and four micro macro we would then have very very niche in-depth knowledge probably encyclopedia level knowledge like memorizing textbook of every unit uh, unit composition um, and a bunch of basically meta analysis where you go okay so this group of units can be counted by this or um, basically you're solving the equation you're you scout out your opponent you go okay cool they have this or they are building this based on the units and the buildings that they already have i'm going to build this in this composition so i want two of these three of these five of this uh, because it will just blow the blow the shit out of them and then I'll be able to stomp them easy. Finally, at the top, we would have pure mechanical skill or the ability to just quickly do stuff mechanically without thinking, essentially. Everything else below that is fully taken care of. So our layer 6 then becomes just mechanically being able to do everything very, very quickly. So with a combination of everything up there, we roll up and we go, okay, cool, this is a fundamentally perfect player. So we got all that, we've got all those layers, we've rolled up, we're a fundamentally perfect player, now what? So as with the Cisco OSI model, this is essentially a framework for having consciousness of all the inner workings of to deliver an outcome which to us is to be successful at playing games of StarCraft. So at the very bottom, which is just being able to run the game, we have the bare bones level of consciousness, or we have the least amount of information available to be able to produce any outcome whatsoever. 
the same with the OSI model where we just have a physical layer we just have a physical medium or a medium and a way to pass bits over that medium a way to signal off and on we don't know anything more we don't know anything deeper we don't know what those ons and off mean we just have the ability to do that the simplest thing like a little smoke signal and then as we take in the information that's available and we apply the next layer of framework into that which is the fundamental knowledge of the game and basic game mechanics as we tie into the OSI model layer 2 which is basically giving some form of definition around those bits it's collecting them together giving them context and putting them into a frame allowing them to have some form of relevance together that we understand so what if we did the same thing with with us with people with personality in the field of psychology there exists a, uh, a framework or a hierarchy of motivational theory or basically psychological needs which are tiered up in a very very similar model to the OSI or our Starcraft framework so the lowest rung in Maslow's hierarchy of needs or the the foundation of the pyramid is the the basic needs that humans need to live or function which is pretty much the 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 bare bones physiological needs like food water shelter um rest like sleep um just the the bare minimum of without this i will not live and so maslow's hierarchy of needs says we have five layers um we have the physiological needs without this i'm not alive at all and then at the very top we have essentially self-actualization which is i i have achieved the highest possible function as a human being i i've gone like i'm martin luther king i'm like an exceptional individual i've done something fantastic for the world and yeah i'm a great person so we got physiological needs as the bottom above that we have safety needs like security safety um i'm, I'm safe i'm not going to someone's not going to come along and beat the shit out of me or shoot me um i i can rest here and there's no no trouble with me doing so and then once we've met those basic needs we can go up to the the next tier the third level uh, which is more mental um, belongingness love needs like relationships family having people in our lives kind of thing after that we have esteem needs like confidence feeling of accomplishment um meaning basically like doing stuff that makes you feel good about contributing and then finally right at the top we have self-actualization the the fifth tier which is i'm able to do absolutely everything i can i am the best i can be I am achieving the most me. I am the most human. I am the most me. This is 
like I'm doing my greatest achievements or I'm capable of doing the greatest that I am able to deliver. So we've got this OSI model where we start at the, the very basics and we, we group things together, categorize them and add on to them. And we build up these concepts over time that eventually allow us to use very real practical things but start off as very theoretical, very non-physical, very non-interactive. And then we move up towards this this actual thing that we can use at the the application layer at the top and then we've got our starcraft best player framework model where at the bottom we have i can boot the game i can i can get into a game and then layer two is i understand how to play the game like basic functionality and then we have layer three which is micro like the ability to manage units inside battles so that they can survive longer and beat our opponent and then we have layer four on top of that which is while this is taking place i can also continue to focus on my economy to make sure that i'm still producing these units so that i can win the next encounter or resupply the existing one and then finally at the top the layer five we have just pure mechanical skill where I can do all the shit below but very quickly. And then finally we have a hierarchy of needs for a human to be alive and functional. And that starts at those those basic physiological needs. I need I need to eat, I need to sleep, um, I need food, water, safety, physiological needs. Um, and then above that we have like more mental emotional needs like i'm loved i have family um i i can talk to people about my feelings and then above that we have the peak of the, the pyramid like the starcraft um, mechanical skill like the osi model the application level stuff we have the highest the highest tier the like bringing it all together kind of thing this is what we're here for this is what it is, this is self-actualization, this is being the best, achieving the, the most you can, reaching your full potential as a human being. Now, I want to tie this scene together to a question that I've thought about for a while, which is, at what point from the conception of human life does human consciousness occur? And to a lesser extent what is human consciousness or what is consciousness in general and how I've thought about this for the most part or how I've navigated this is I've looked back on the theories behind how we perceive our environment and what data contains or gets related to to conform or to to build this state of consciousness or this context of existing so to tackle this at its roots we can perceive this through the lens of um, a, a thought problem such as the ship of theseus um, whereby basically we've got this this vessel and slowly over time we take chunks of it and repair them um, so basically there's a like 
multiple wooden planks and stuff like that, masts and sails and whatever. Over time it gets battered up, it needs repairing, so we, we pop off the old plank, we th throw it into storage, and then we put in a new one. And the idea is that over time there gets to a point where you have replaced every small component of that vessel right so is that vessel still that vessel or is it a new that vessel is it no longer the ship of theseus or has it stopped becoming the ship of theseus and it started becoming a new ship or what what's the the defining factor around that and then a second problem that we have with that is that if you take all those pieces that we took off that were from the original ship and we use all those pieces to assemble a new old ship is that also the ship of theseus or is that a new version of the ship of theseus or is that the old ship of theseus what is it and what's the new one that we've slowly been building up over time and then we can also use the theory of sci-fi um, just transportation right so in star trek and stuff like that the most common transportation or teleportation material is you scan the existing copy like you step into a plate and it takes a complete one-to-one -one scan of everything that you are it destroys it it sends that as data to a new location and it generates and reassembles you at that new location so based on the ship of theseus we've done the exact same thing but with a person right so we've taken all the bits that make you you away from you and then we've made new bits of those pieces that make you you and reassembled them at another location are you the new you are you the old you are you a new you like are you a different you who which you are you at this point and i've thought about this a lot and the way that i would tackle this is by taking consciousness and spreading it out similar to the osi model to our starcraft player framework and to our maslow's hierarchy of needs where we have a fundamental building block at the bottom which in this case I would consider sensory data to be the, the lowest level of functional requirement to form consciousness, um, some form of understanding of, of the world around us, just as that basic foundation. Now, obviously that means that in my model, without that, if you cut off someone's ability to feel, they would no longer be conscious, and I would probably argue that that would be the case if you get rid of someone's ability to receive sensory information to see to hear to touch to taste once you have nothing of that i would actually argue that you are no longer conscious to some degree and then at the other end of the spectrum or the the top of the pyramid would be having perfect information and having the full grouping or acrement of of everything that forms you as an individual in the context of your life so this would be a combination of uh, your own life experiences 
with your own memories with sensory data with wisdom um so experience from decisions that you've made decisions that you've seen other people make um your world views all that stuff combined together and wrapped up into a, a ball of of perfect consciousness and then as as you chip away at it as you take bits of that away you move further down from full 100% consciousness so you could have basically a, a spectrum or like a, a gauge of completeness like a, a pie chart I guess would be a, a good analogy to use for this so then we have our pie chart at 100% which is perfect information perfect consciousness we've we've got 100% awareness of how we are doing as a human body like all our organs are functioning cool as um, we're thinking about stuff logically reasonably we make appropriate risk assessment um, we have sensory data coming in that's updating our our thought processes and stuff like that everything is running cool as smoothly there's no no obstacles and no issues now if we take something away from that say we're not as in tune with our sensory data for instance maybe uh, we suffer from some form of spinal cord issue and we're paralyzed that then takes a chunk of that consciousness away we we no longer have access to that and I would argue that that would remove a part of our ability to be uh, in a sense perfectly conscious or conscious a hundred percent or normal consciousness I guess and then if we suffered from some form of um, cerebral damage or say half of our brain got destroyed for whatever reason um, or temporarily immobilized or some form of issue which temporarily eliminated half the processing ability of the brain if that was to go on for a while I, I think what would happen is you would have a essentially reduced consciousness capacity or you would no longer be at your your nominal consciousness and then based on my understanding over time the brain would learn to regulate the remaining componentry that it does have access to and it would distribute the lost function among those parts and eventually you would start to climb back up to that reasonably nominal consciousness level albeit if you still had the the spinal problem you would still be missing a lot of that sensory information and you would still be missing that data to to make a fully formed consciousness so essentially you would have your pie chart of perfect nominal consciousness you'd have your spinal injury a chunk would get chunked out of that ball of consciousness or ability to be conscious and then you'd have your brain injury you'd lose that function 
you would then lose another chunk of that ball and you would be significantly reduced consciousness and then over time your brain would learn to adapt with the new capacity that it has versus before and it will regulate that previous function redistribute some of those old um, processings and then you will slowly accumulate back up to that nominal-ish um, consciousness without sensory data it'll probably be more of a challenge but over time based on how humans can adapt and stuff like that i think you would eventually fill in most of those gaps um but yeah by my definition that would be reduced consciousness so where does it leave us with the question about the ship of theseus or teleport or transportation well i think that if we were to destroy ourselves and recreate ourselves in the same fashion um, basically eventually you would exist again or you would be the same you again and essentially i've achieved this conclusion because i've thought about what makes consciousness um, a definition or what what would impact consciousness for instance um so like um being anesthetized for instance does bring you down in consciousness right but it's a temporary loss you come back up at some point you reachieve that consciousness you're not permanently crippled because of it it, it just reduces your nervous system's ability to communicate um, which is in part the same as what we would be doing with destroying ourselves and putting ourselves back together, right? So essentially I would argue that because when we fall asleep we aren't dead forever, we, we wake up in the morning and we, we are still us, we are still conscious and when we are anaesthetized, when our nervous system is, is temporarily disrupted and its ability to to transmit data to to tell us or to to keep our consciousness or whatever the object would be like a um, an id or an ego or whatever um, up to date with information so that it can keep existing. It, it's only temporary. It goes away. It comes back. It builds itself up again, and we're the same we. We're the same us. And we can have temporary setbacks in life which push us down those con uh, consciousness levels. Like, we can have uh, mental illness take a toll, um, poor resting conditions can, can knock us down. Like, if we're sleep deprived, um, if we ingest particular substances that can mess around with our consciousness levels. So we, we can shift the, the needle on where we are and... It will go back to, to being nominal after a while, unless it's like a permanent debilitating issue. And we're still the same us. And we still have the same capacity to be us. So, I would argue that even if you completely removed us, completely destroyed us, and you rebuilt us in the same configuration, I think eventually 
we would achieve the same level of consciousness we had prior to the destruction activity and we would be the same us to that end thank you for persisting and following it through and uh, yeah this is basically me putting it on public record that i'd happily step into a um, tried and tested transporting device uh, and be deconstructed and reconstructed thank you very much have a good one see ya